Welcome to the next edition of the CPG Scoop. I'm Risa Crandall. And I am Jennifer Silverberg. And we are thrilled to have Lee Dunbar here on our episode. We are excited that Zoom has been our partner for today. A little plug for Zoom. Um, this is our take three, but you know, three times a charm. Three is the magic number. So I'm all good. We are thrilled to have you here with us, Lee, um, to be able to share with our community of CPGs and marketers and agencies and clients alike and retail media alike, uh, and kind of replace a little bit of that coffee table conversation we all had more often. Um, I know in the days we used to do that at Starcom at the uh, Starbucks over there. So, you know, how we can share some great insights and give some people some different ways to think about our business uh, is what we look to achieve with the CPG Scoop. So we'd love to have you start off and just share with everyone on, on our listening group today a little bit about yourself and your career journey and what you're focused on. Right. Uh, well, uh, my name is Lee Dunbar, um, and I've been uh, at the agency uh, doing retail media for in one form or another for uh, over a decade. Um, as you can tell, I'm a little nervous because, I mean, try number three. If we don't get this one, then I'm banned from all podcasts uh, that you're certainly doing, Risa. So. You. You didn't fail. It was a technical problem. Okay. Well, that's what I'll tell myself. Um, so, uh, and, and that's, that's, I don't know, maybe it's a tribute to how I view my career uh, with retail media and with commerce is it's always troubleshooting um, and having some humility with it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started, uh, it was, oh, hey, can you do this Amazon buy? I don't know, but I'll try. And and uh, along the way, it's like, okay, well, you've done that. Can you do this next one? Can you do this next one? Uh, you know, Walmart has this new capability. Can you try that? Uh, Instacart has, uh, uh, is, is, is starting to, you know, have some new capabilities here. Can you troubleshoot that and figure that out? Um, so I think anybody who claims expertise here, um, it, it has to do so with a, another side of like, well, I don't know what I don't know uh, in this space. And that's certainly an approach I've, I've had uh, in in my career, uh, certainly with uh, with retail. Yeah, it's great to embrace trying things out, right? It's, you know, yeah. what makes us a little uncomfortable only makes us, you know, more interesting and smarter and um, looking to take new opportunities. I think that's fantastic. It's really different to claim expertise versus claim, I don't know, curiosity or flexibility. Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like what you've done. And we we hear that a lot from guests. We hear, you know, yeah. I didn't know how to do this, no, but nobody else did either. So I jumped in and I did it. So it sounds like that's the definition of your career, Lee. Uh, certainly what keeps me uh, engaged is, hey, that's interesting. That's different. Um, and I, uh, sometimes when people ask, Hey, what are you assigned on? What are you doing these days? I'm like, Oh, I always get the weird stuff, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I, I, I enjoy and wear as a badge of honor of like, Hey, it's, I don't think I'll find this in the training, uh, documents that we have, uh, here at Starcom, at least not yet. Uh, yeah. just because it's always something different. Yeah. So our favorite question to start out with is if you were going to describe the state of CPG e-commerce right now in one word, what would you call that? What would your word be? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say efficiency. Um, it, it's been an interesting thing, especially lately, to see time spent with the retailer, uh, at least per visit, uh, continuing to go down. And and you think about the time exchange that happens in retail, especially with CPG, um, 
that, hey, maybe my trip to the grocery store, my trip, you know, in quotes on uh, on Walmart might take 15 minutes uh, because I just kind of put in the order from last week and, uh, you know, add a few things here and there or, you know, I'm on Instacart with Aldi, like maybe I'll plug in a few things there, but it's usually just the same old, same old that I'm going to add for that week, maybe add some more meals. And as a result, you're seeing fewer and fewer um, minutes spent. Uh, you know, I think it was something along the lines of like four minutes per visit, uh, maybe 20 minutes uh, over the span of a month. So it feels like people are kind of making themselves a little bit more efficient, at least in the space of CPG. Uh, but when you look at retailers overall, uh, it's certainly less time spent on a daily basis than what you might spend with the TikTok, certainly for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I keep going to back to efficiency of like personally for the consumer, it's efficient. It's uh, it's in and out. I think a lot of merchants have prided themselves on being able to convert quickly as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a function of that. Um, and, and so I, th- I think that's definitely been a new experience to have uh, and, and reckon with with our strategies is what do we do when I only have so much time with uh, a shopper? Right. That's right. And it's really think about you know, from that consumer-centric point of view, right? The consumer is moving quicker than ever. Um, and certainly with during the pandemic, that really escalated. And when people are in the store, um, like you said, they're spending less time. They want to be more efficient with their time. And so they're using tools and they're um, looking for opportunities to make the right choices for what kind of products they want to buy for their family, but they want to do it quickly and efficiently. So efficient is the name of the game. Um, what do you think as far as with efficiency and, and looking at these behaviors, what opportunities does it create for for, for brands and for retail media to be on top of what the consumer action is? I mean, I think the opportunity is how do you streamline your media towards mm-hmm. commerce? Um, I think that's an area I certainly worked with uh, some of you on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on how do we make things shoppable and, and engaging? Um, I think to a degree, under you know, how do you, how do you understand the right moment and, and time and place for those, mm-hmm. um, particularly with um, shoppable? You know, I think it's very tempting to be like, well, you know, everything should be shoppable, but there's different types of that. Uh, maybe there's a broader uh, how-to mm. and it's actually laying out what those are. Uh, maybe it is just a quick reminder and understanding that maybe the impression is going to be just enough to get them to be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll know that. I'll remember that. I've built that memory structure before they're actually going to build their list for, uh, for the week or, or for the next month. Um, I think understanding how you use brevity there. I think there's a lot of agencies and part and brands trying to chase chase attention, which mm. I think is valuable, absolutely. But I've sort of made my peace with the fact that maybe I won't get attention all the time. And I need to just have that sort of presence of just reminding them of the logo, of the brand colors. So when they see it, uh, especially in the digital shelf, it's pretty easy for them to be like, oh, that's a familiar brand. I'll add that. That's fine. Um, yeah. So when I think about efficiency, you you went to one specific type of efficiency, time efficiency. I kind of want to come back to understanding, is it just time efficiency or in this world, we're in some interesting economic times as well. Is there an economic piece to that? Is there a, a mental piece to that? What are all the elements of efficiency that you're talking about here? So I can kind of listen through that filter. Yeah, I mean the the in, the the engaged part of me is very much on the time efficiency for the shopper and the and the person, but certainly uh, certainly would want to have a wider uh, scope on that. 
Um, I think there's certainly a push towards private label uh, recently or private brands. Uh, certainly over the last five years, uh, five years plus, there's been an improvement of private label overall uh, to, you know, much to my chagrin, right? In some cases yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, boy, these brands are uh, in some cases beloved uh, by consumers. It's not just like they're deigning to do it. It's like, no, this is, this is my brand. This is what I love. Um, the range of quality, the range of innovation has improved. And now we're at a time where I think it's the, you know, with inflation, it's the highest level of inflation since the 1970s. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to, I was trying to find, I was, I was hoping, not hoping, but I was looking at uh, some data from the, from the government on inflation. I was like, surely this is the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Uh, I think that's the other thing is like when you're looking at history and how things have been impacted. Nope. It's uh, it actually happened quite a bit in the seventies as well, to higher degrees uh, year over year. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's my, my nerd aside. Um, I'd say there's a huge trial period here, right, with private brands, and people may keep those in their basket as a result. Um, and so established brands uh, have to figure out, all right, am I going to fight them on price? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's more, how can I create more innovation that's attached to that? And also, you know, I think, again, back to attention, yeah, there's probably some value in building attention and engagement where this is a brand that is familiar to me that uh, you know, maybe it's part of my life. I don't know if you have a relationship with your uh, coffee uh, or your cheese <laughs> to the level that maybe you have a relationship with your car brand or something like that. Um, I think there's certainly things you want to foster there. Uh, but I think building some connection and familiarity is, is huge. And so uh, that, that's, that's how we'll fight private label. Um, and I think in some cases, making peace with private label, how can we partner and work with retailers on the CPGN to tell a story where it's like private label brand with, you know, what the, what I, I as a brand can maybe even put my stamp of approval on and really integrate with the whole basket. Yeah. I love the, the, the thinking through of attention and the balance of, like you said, you know, it's, there are times for that attention about the brand and the reasons to believe. And there's also times for can't even, like you said, that that shorter opportunity or shorter attention span or shorter engagement to have different pulse points communicate and make sure that the brands are purchased. So um, I, I, I think that's very smart to not have one um, approach, right? It's a multidimensional approach. Um, are there certain brands or certain teams or certain you know, CPGs or and or retailers that you really think are doing it right right now, Lee, that as that are paying attention to these different touch points of the consumer and really understanding the shopper, the consumer. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't play favorites necessarily. <laughs> sure. um, but I'd say there's there's been it I was making this comment with retail media um a couple of weeks ago, uh, that it feels like it's this hot house of innovation. Mm. That, you know, if you compare it to what was going on in traditional search or even programmatic, uh, there's just a lot more going on. It's like we had this duopoly for a couple of years and then suddenly everybody's coming up with new and different things. Um, The fact that we're talking about something that's, you know, like a Target, for instance, the fact that uh, they're testing, you know, getting coffee at the same time as picking up your order. That's that's such a uh, unique capability, right? Mm-hmm. That um, that I, I imagine will be kind of de rigueur for everybody, um, you know, down the line, right? How can you combine and bundle things? 
Um, you know, certainly something that I think every retailer is trying to figure out. Uh, but even on the advertising side, uh, trying to find all those uh, times in a visit where it's like, okay, maybe I can build my basket with just one ad unit on Kroger. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or with Aldi, maybe I can make my choice of how I'm going to make that fulfillment. Um, you know, with with Walmart, I think even combining media with that has been interesting. Where it's like during the pickup, can, is that a moment to engage them with an average, you know, piece of advertising that maybe reminds them of the next time? Um, I think everybody's really challenged to see what sticks and throw throw it against the wall. And I think everybody, especially on the retail side, is it's sort of expected. Which is again why I'm here, right? Is is like, all right, this is where it's happening. This is uh, the innovative piece where you know, maybe something's tried and done and sort of deprecated within the span of a couple of weeks or months, which is yeah. wild. Um, we weren't having that, I think, in the media marketplace uh, a few years ago. No, great, that's true. So, speaking of change, um, what do you see as next? You know, you've given us great insight into kind of how things have developed and what we see now, but what do you see that turning into over the next six months or 12 months? Ooh. Um, yeah. Your crystal ball. Can we, can we, yeah, it's my crystal ball and everyone can make fun of me uh, for getting it wrong. Um, <laughs> which, which, Hey, I'm happy to do it. Um, I think I, I guess what I want and what I think are, are going to be different things, but what, what I, what I think where we're going is, there's a lot of talk about retailers as publishers. Um, and I don't think that necessarily is going to be the path that they take. I think it'll be almost like a piece of a tech stack. Mm. And uh, maybe it's as a data partner. Maybe it's as a data partner plus. I don't think it's necessarily like they're going to become an IRI or NCS and that's the end of it. Mm. Um, I think there has to be something more there. Um, seeing where what got developed with... Um, audience PMPs, for instance, which I don't want to totally nerd out about uh, ad tech here, but tying inventory to an audience and then selling that in a DSP of choice is super interesting, right? And I think iterations like that, where how can I use the retailer's data in ways that are beneficial to that retailer that are um, managed and uh, almost gatekept by that retailer, but I'm free to use that in any tactic, tactic I want, any partner I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, more that advertisers can have choice in the tools that they're using, which again, right now it's still very like all in one. The mm-hmm. retailer really manages that and owns that. The more that can get kind of let go. And I'm really just using them for the audience and the measurement. I think again, under their guidance to make sure it's a benefit to their brand and their retailer, um, the better. I think that's the path we're going in. It's, it's like, it'll be something different. We're always kind of fighting the last war. I feel like where it's like, okay, well, it'll be just like how it went then. But I think it'll be just a little bit different where it's like the more we treat them as ad tech partners, um, that's a layer on all our media. I think that'll be the future that we'll be in. What about from consumer behavior standpoint? What do you see changes there? I mean, it's been so interesting, the changes we've seen over the last several years. And people like to talk about the new normal, but I'm not not sure we're we're ever going to have anything that's normal, right? What's the normal this week? Normal now, different. So, do you see any yeah. changes there in the next? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, the economy—we're, you know, we're always a couple months away from a recession, and then it's sort of like, well, is it going to happen? It's going to happen. We've been saying that for the last year, right? Um, so, I think there will, will continue to be some anxiety, right? Um, I think consumer-wise, there will continue to be a um, 
some interesting ways that things get bundled where it's like, maybe I will do one order a week. Mm. Maybe I'm willing to wait. You know, I think with the end of free money, right? The fact that the interest rates are where they're at, retailers are going to have to come up with innovative ways to um, serve a consumer in a way that's not going to break the bank. Um, and so there's a there's there's one service that's talking about bundling all the orders in a given neighborhood and kind of having almost like a milk run mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, at three o'clock, I expect to have this order happening and my neighbors are going to have that at the same time. That's some interesting, almost collaborative commerce, not quite the level of collaborative commerce they have in China, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, where like there's group buying of things, which is super interesting. Maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think being able to bundle things in interesting ways or like, I know this is my delivery day, which is, again, what's old is new again. It's like, again, milk run. I'm used to the milkman coming by for that, um, which, you know, I never experienced. I don't think any of us on school have experienced, but we're almost returning to that old school model. Right. It is. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Americans can do that group buying like in, in China. I feel like our culture is so um, independent uh, in many ways, but there are certain communities that I think, you know, where co-ops really make sense and that they might, you know, uh, adopt that kind of just even from a sustainability standpoint, as well as from a price standpoint. I think, you know, in all of this, when you think about what you've talked about, Lee, with the the uh, economic pressures, you know, the ability to price personalize is really powerful, um, so that the consumer has has great options there and are not sacrificing the products that they buy or the flavors or the recipes or the entertaining that they might do, but giving some tools in the technology space to be able to personalize based on the current prices of products is really very powerful, and uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of who who can own that in a bigger, bolder way. But I think that's an exciting area that we've seen develop. Oh, for sure. So this this just makes me laugh because this happens a lot that we have somebody on the scoop that mentioned something right after I've had the experience happen in my personal life. But um, <laughs> seriously, it's it's crazy. But one of my neighbors last weekend sent out a group to, we have a text for the entire neighborhood and they sent a group text out saying, hey, I order this food box from Imperfect Foods. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And um, they what their sentence was, was I hate it that the truck comes all the way out here just for me every week. If anybody else wants to just piggyback on my order and oh. get your stuff, they sent us all a link. And I don't know whether that was created by Imperfect Foods, that idea. And if it was, you know, hey, send this to your neighbor, what a smart thing to do. But um, but really interesting that that I think people responded because the neighbor was taking responsibility for exactly what you were saying, Lee, is, you know, I want to bundle this order so that we're not wasting so much energy and, and the, the retailer isn't wasting so much. Right. Yeah, so. And having getting getting material savings as a result of that, right? Right. right. Um, I, I have no idea. Maybe they were going to get their order free if they did this. I have yeah, no sure. idea. But but it was interesting just just to think that maybe people are starting to think in that way. It sounds like new opportunities for retailers and within retail media. Oh. Yeah, and even think about like how Uber is doing that too. You know, as far as Uber Eats, that even individually that you can combine different deliveries in one larger order um again is efficient back to what you were saying lee in the beginning it's about being efficient with your time and if you can get a savings for doing that i think you'll get more adoption than than currently so uh, it just means people have to kind of organize their brains about 
you know, the different, the different areas that they're shopping for, um, rather than thinking certain channels that I want, you know, a spirit or I want a food or I want, you know, health and beauty aids. So, um, it's kind of just organizing and whoever can also make the sense of helping consumers and retailers and brands understand the whole basket and the whole shopping, uh, is going to win. Right. Well, and even that bundling, like that unlocks a whole different set of opportunities where it's like, Oh, I know someone's getting takeout. You know, obviously we have we have a pretty large beer brand. Maybe they want to have a beer with that. Right. Um, right. And having all those moments biddable, I don't know, we're so used to bidding on something that happens in a millisecond, having that attached to all these different uh, commercial moments uh, in a retail checkout experience, you know, easily applicable, right? Yeah, it's really powerful. I mean, I think about like, you know, within, you know, like an Instacart, for example, how they are suggesting other products to add to your order before you check out um, that are relevant by many different variables. So it's a really smart way to have other products considered in addition to what you've already put into your Instacart cart. So I think they're very smart in the way that they do that. So um, I, I agree. And I think that there's more and more opportunity for retailers and brands to to harness this this different way of people shopping and what the technology is, like you said, in a millisecond, we can give that opportunity for consideration of a brand that might not have made it into the cart on the initial the initial pass. So it's it's really exciting. It's like it's kind of like instant needs times ten. So um, yeah. you know, instant opportunities and additional opportunities for brands that um, those who embrace it are going to have you know again new users potentially and also have that loyal consumer you know, shop more and buy an additional six pack or buy an additional um, product into their cart of that loyal brand. So it's really exciting. And we know that, you know, it's been, uh, we, you know, I think most of us are tired of talking about like the past three and a half years and blah, 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 but it, it's a reality, right? We can't can just kind of breeze by it. And again, Jennifer and I started the scoop as a way to have content out there that would be in a different way, your coffee table conversation that you might have with someone in the industry. And we know that life has been kind of a, a mixture of things, but we would just love to know too, because when we get together with folks over coffee and tea, we want to know how people are. So um, sure. just personally, and just would love to know from you, Lee, what else you've done to kind of keep yourself happy and motivated just personally too, whether you've picked up a new hobby or whether you dropped a hobby um, during this time. Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's a good question. And, and it feels like it's been such a slow burn now that it's been, you know, three and a half years, right? Or three years. Right. Um, I, I'd say for me, it's been, uh, you know, broadly, I feel like I'm a more engaged parent. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said about sitting through my son's kindergarten class, uh, like literally sitting next to him during his kindergarten class while he's on Zoom. I'm typing away or firing away things on email or like scurrying off to a laundry room to jump in a call. So I'm not disturbing his class Yeah, and sitting right there and experiencing that. I think I would not have, I, I think before everything, everything sort of shifted. I think working from home, especially when he was sick was such a big deal. And now it's like, oh, it's not such a big deal. And being able to, uh, I think reset my balance a little bit where it's like, Oh, I can coach his flag football team or I can, uh, you know, do, do some Cub Scout stuff with them or, pick them up at school. And I think I wouldn't have done that uh, had, had I not had to have that be challenged with that shift. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I think that's the biggest thing is just a little bit more engagement in the parent uh, as a parent. And, and, you know, I, 
it's always kind of a question as a parent of like, am I doing enough? But um, it's been, uh, it's been rewarding time, I guess. That's great. That's great. It is always hard. I wonder what this generation of kids is going to be like, how they're going to be different because they have been parented so much more closely, Mm -hmm. you know, for the last three years, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that shapes the next, this next group. Yeah. When when I was on, when I was on Lunchables, we were looking at um, average time spent that a parent has with a kid. Uh, We found this study. It was, um, I think it was measuring from the 1950s up to uh, the mid aughts, let's say. Mm. And the time spent both for uh, men and women with their child had kept growing exponentially. And I imagine it was a huge spike. Right. But there is something to be said about like, there's already been that sort of shift and it's just dramatically rocked it right in the last three years. Um, You're right. I mean, everything from like kid and parent requests, like, how do you, how do you make those purchases together? Like, are you give the kid more agency in those cases? There's a lot of interesting um, uh, discussions to be had about like how a household makes their purchases in that world, but even just more importantly, like how they value things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. What matters. Right. It, 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 there are a lot of different reflections that, that people have had. And I agree too. the fact that I am able to, make dinner because I love to cook and bake, make dinner um, each and every night is because food is love to me. So, you know, the ability to do that with my family and sit down and um, have it be from scratch and have it come from a new recipe that inspires me. And um, I was baking this morning, actually, um, to celebrate something for my youngest. So, you know, it, it, I think that um, all of the positives that have come out, if we can keep on task with those things or are going to be really a good step forward. And it will be interesting to see what this generation, the young generation, the teen generation, what they all kind of evolve into 20 years from now. It'll be an interesting, an interesting study. I'm sure folks are going to be studying this for a long time, um, but I'm excited to see kind of what comes out of it and then what learnings we have from that, you know, for the next, um, not the next pandemic, of course, but the next um, just kind of evolution of, of people um, and how we all spend our time. So, well, we're so happy that we got to spend time with you today and we made it and we conquered the technology and uh, we are thrilled. I mean, just such valuable insight, Lee, you always take such time to learn. You're such so hungry for knowledge and that's really clear from what you shared with our audience today. And you're just a fantastic person and always so collaborative and always so forward moving. Um, And I know folks are really going to value the content. So we're thrilled that you were with us here on The Scoop. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank All right, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you.